really what got to me was um, her comment whenever she came in for the first time after she picked up her insulin at $5. She said, um, Kyle, I've never had a healthcare, somebody in healthcare care about me so much. Um, and uh, that really, you know, got to me. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. You are listening to Beyond the SIG, a prescription for transformative pharmacy care. This podcast is developed in collaboration with the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy and their Flip the Pharmacy team and paid for through CDC grant funding provided by the Pennsylvania Department of Health to the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association, broadcasted exclusively on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Pharmacies in Pennsylvania and across the country are transforming their care delivery model and documenting the care provided to patients to express their value to payers. This transformation is setting them up to sustain and thrive in a new era of healthcare with value-based payment models. In this episode of Beyond the SIG, we talked to one pharmacist who started his pharmacy with his care delivery model in mind and is expressing his value to a payer often forgotten in healthcare, the patient. Kyle McCormick is the owner of Blueberry Pharmacy in Westview, Pennsylvania, a different kind of pharmacy that sets itself apart from the rest by providing access to low-cost medications without the need for insurance. That's correct. Blueberry Pharmacy does not accept insurance. With optional membership programs available to fit patients' needs, the savings people see on their medications are substantial. Kyle offers his insight on how pharmacists can provide care and value directly to patients. Welcome to this episode of Beyond the SIG. I'm your host, Brandon Antonopoulos, Senior Program Manager at the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy and Practice Transformation Coach for the Flip the Pharmacy Pennsylvania team. So I'm, I'm really excited uh, to be with you here today um, to uh, talk to one of my, um, not just a colleague, but one of my close friends, Kyle McCormick, um, you know, about a new pharmacy model on his pharmacy that uh, he just opened recently. And Kyle is a uh, 2014 graduate of the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy. Uh, I know this because we graduated together, um, did our residencies together. And so again, I'm, I'm really excited about the opportunity of uh, one, just talking with him because, you know, any any chance that we get to kind of interact, um, you know, with each other is something I'm always excited about, but excited for all of you to hear about some of the stuff that he's been, been working on. So Kyle, uh, thank you so much for, for joining us and really excited to, to chat with you today. Yeah. Thanks Brandon. Happy to be on. And as you said, it's always fun to, uh, when we get a chance to connect. So looking forward to, to talking. Good, good. So um, I guess let's let's start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you know your background. You know training as a as a pharmacist. Your passion. Kind of give us the give us your story. Uh, sure. Yeah. So I guess my roots in pharmacy go back really to uh, high school. Whenever I was deciding what I wanted to do in into the college years, 
decided to ask a high school friend. Her mother owned a pharmacy, so I decided to ask her mom if I was able to shadow her to see what pharmacy life was like. And so it was an independent pharmacy in Somerset, Pennsylvania, a small town. Uh, one of a couple independents in the area. So I shadowed her uh, for a short period of time and really liked um, the interactions with patients, uh, just that uh, independent feel um, where, you know, you don't just know the patient for what medications they're on, but you know their their family and what they're passionate about, what they what ails them outside of even their healthcare. So um, just really that that feeling grew on me. So realized I wanted to be in pharmacy, and um, uh, my passion for independence only grew throughout the years in pharmacy school and then throughout my career so far as well. So during pharmacy school, I was an intern at the University of Pharmacy at, at the University of Pittsburgh. And uh, also then went on to um, work at Gaddy Pharmacy, uh, worked there as a resident, did a residency with the University of Pittsburgh, community residency, and uh, stayed on there afterwards. Uh, and then also worked at Hometown Apothecary up in, in New Brighton. Brandon, you're quite familiar with that one too. So um, yeah, I've always been independent. Talking uh, about growing up pharmacy. Yeah, that's certainly yeah, yeah, checks yeah, the box for me. <laughs> You grew up more than I did in pharmacy, for sure. Um, but yeah, so always really been in the independent space. I uh, never really had an interest to go outside of that. And uh, that's what really led me to open up my own pharmacy here in well, Westview, Pittsburgh, uh, North Hills area. And we're a tad different than most pharmacies. We actually don't accept insurance. Um, and as since probably almost everybody listening to the podcast knows, a lot of patients actually can save um, by not using their insurance, and there's several benefits to the pharmacy too um, with with that kind of model as well. So, uh, definitely a unique and but also challenging uh, to start a pharmacy too. So, it's been fun, interesting, exciting, and also nerve wracking. Yeah. So I like I, I want to talk to you a little bit about that because you know as you had mentioned you know, especially now, you know, any, anyone in an independent pharmacy, they'll, they'll tell you, you know, it's, it's tougher, um, you know, through the traditional business model, the ways of doing things, uh, currently, you know, there's probably even some that if you're going to say you were going to start a new pharmacy, they would try to talk you, talk you out of it. And it certainly has its challenges as much as it has its, um, you know, exciting opportunities, but, um, you know what 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 led you to to want to pursue that in the midst of these challenges and especially with with a model that's so new and, and innovative and and we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of the details about the model but what what drove you to you know want to start something on your own in the midst of all these challenges that pharmacies currently face uh, yeah, so the biggest one of the biggest challenges being the pandemic. I, I can't say that I uh, anybody anticipated that one, but um, in terms of the other challenges that I faced, kind of I, I also viewed them as somewhat of opportunities. So, a lot of challenges in the current marketplace for far, independent pharmacies are around uh, insurance reimbursement. So, um, by taking insurance out of the equation, um, no longer have to worry about so much insurance reimbursement. It's more just telling patients uh, what makes you different, how, how you can still serve them. 
and kind of getting the word out about that. So, um, so the, the challenges I, I try to view as oppor uh, opportunities in that light. So, uh, for example, um, you know, inventory costs, uh, the high um, kind of the the increasing use of generics, but at the same time, the increasing price of brands uh, is challenging. Um, and so, with my model, where don't take insurance, a lot of patients if they have insurance, they're using their insurance for their brand name medications. And if they don't have insurance, then we work with them to get manufacturer assistance programs. So um, we don't have to deal with the high inventory costs that a, a typical startup would. So that was, as I looked to open up a pharmacy, I, I saw that as kind of a barrier uh, was the high startup cost um, that, that most pharmacies have. And a lot of that is an in inventory. Uh, and so not having that be an issue was, was definitely a value. Um, and then um, just thinking out loud. So not having to deal with audits, not having to deal with DIR fees, GER fees, all of the, all the challenges that pharmacies currently are facing. And then uh, we'll probably talk about this more, but the opportunity to actually care for patients and actually get paid directly by patients to provide their care to them. So that's what was exciting to me um, and what I've actually been most excited about of late is that opportunity for, you know, the service piece of the pharmacy, um, which I guess I didn't really, I mean, I, I, I factored into the business plan, but I didn't realize how um, much of an opportunity might actually be there for that. So those are kind of how I uh, tackled some of the barriers to, to entry. So for, years you know traditional community pharmacy you know, we've relied on preferred networks and you know accepting any contract presented to us just because you know more more members more scripts equaled more revenue uh, you know, obviously we know that's not the case anymore, but, but what you're saying is your model totally takes that away, doesn't accept insurance. And, and yet you're still offer, you're, you're still able to, uh, provide quality services that take care of patients and, and they find a value in paying for that outside of their insurance. If they have insurance, how do you, how, how do you do that? What's the, what's the you know, you know, free, you don't have to give away the secrets, but how are you making money doing this <laughs> for, for, for those, of, for those that are out there wondering how that's even possible? Yeah. So, I, I mean, uh, the, the simplest answer is that, um, really target the patients who, um, might have high co-pays on something that is not super expensive. So, uh, a lot of pharmacists will know what, what medications those are. Um, things that are, you know, have been out somewhat newer, um, that their insurance might, especially during a deductible phase or when they're in the coverage gap, uh, their insurance copay might be pretty high or even, um, some, some medications have a high, you know, um, regular copay. Uh, and so targeting patients, those populations and, um, explaining to them, Hey, you know, we don't have to use insurance. Uh, and you can actually even get it for uh, cheaper than you were getting through insurance. So that's probably the the easiest selling point is anytime you can appeal to price. It's um, you really draw the patient in. 
uh, but I've actually been able to help patients with their brand name medications too. So um, whether that's going through their insurance, navigating the, the different tiers within their insurance or, or um, finding manufacturer assistance programs for them, um, but I've actually been able to get medications for free for patients or um, reduce their co-pays, obviously not at my pharmacy, but through the use of um, navigating their tiers and coupons, uh, able to, to reduce their copay. So the first thing is definitely appealing to price, uh, but also appealing to, um, you know, uh, and, and it even goes back to price, but I think to an example I had with a patient who um, had always been on uh, fluoxetine liquid. And uh, anybody that's familiar with fluoxetine liquid, it's kind of pricey. Um, so I think... If you look at like GoodRx, it's probably like 68 something, it's close to $70 for a month's supply with the patient. And I uh, had a conversation with the patient explaining, you know, one, we could, you know, if the challenge is swallowing, you could always crush up a tablet, or you could even open a fluoxetine capsule, which is fairly easy. And uh, so it showed that how, how easy it was. I had a conversation with the doctor. And we got their um, $70 fluoxetine liquid down to nine, uh, for, per month down to a 90 day supply for like $16 for the patient. Um, and so things like that where it still relates back to costs, but it's a lot more than just costs. It's actually um, looking at, you know, in that situation, it might even be an issue of compliance where if um oh exactly if we, yeah if it's costing too much for the patient they're not actually going to take it then um how beneficial is it for the patient so i like to think and and it's kind of grown on me but and we always talk about different vital signs and i think that uh, especially if we look into the pandemic and some of the things that's brought to light is that really financial security is probably uh, should be viewed as a vital sign and if people can't afford their medications I actually was talking to a patient um, who was avoiding their um, maintenance inhaler. They hadn't picked up their maintenance inhaler since last December. This was just recently, so it's not like it, whenever I first opened March, no, this was like July, August, early August. Um, she hadn't picked up her maintenance inhaler. She has COPD, hasn't picked up her maintenance inhaler since last December um, because she couldn't afford it. She just prioritized other things over her. Uh, the maintenance inhaler and so um, actually worked with her and uh, was able to get her medication for her for free for a whole year so um, so now she can have her inhaler for daily use instead of um, you know not so uh, things like that uh, to where you know you're appealing to price but it's actually going a lot further beyond that and I mean I'm not taking a salary yet or, or I wouldn't say you know how do you make a profit on that was your question I'm not yet, so don't don't uh, come back to me, and hopefully I will be. Um, right now, I'm getting paid in Pirates memorabilia and free Permanente sandwich coupons and thank you cards, and uh, which are all great gifts and uh, actually kind of feel nicer than a paycheck anyhow at times. Right. Um, no, I, yeah, I agree. The, the, I'm, I'm a sucker for a Permanente sandwich as well. Yeah. Exactly. So that's my, and uh, I'm right next to Domino's. So they said, anytime you want a free pizza, just let us know. So <laughs> right now I'm getting paid at, uh, at not in money, but in a lot of uh, cool little gifts. So that's, that's, you know, brought a lot of value and uh, joy to me. So, so, so 
you know, that, that example you gave and, and, and others, you know, the successes that you've had and just being able to, you know, save patients large significant amounts of, of money on their, their medications, even if they have insurance, you know, by, by not, by not using it, you know, how, what's, what's the, um, you know, essentially what's your, your model for success in, in, in doing this? How do you determine, um, you know, what's, how you're going to offer these services or, you know, how you're going to price these services, you know, what's the, what's, what's your success model look like? Yeah. So, um, kind of view it as like a traditional startup in that I really, I mean, I obviously went in with a business plan and kind of stuck to it. It's just, I've changed around different things, kind of piloted different pricing structures. Um, and so nothing's set for sure. Cause I don't, you know, you said not necessarily profiting yet or pulling a salary or anything like that. So uh, still have a lot to Which work is okay. out. But you're still, you're yeah, still yeah. early right in line with, right. with other, other business startups. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, still trying to figure things out, figuring out what's the best uh, pricing structure, but everything is based on cost, cost plus pricing. So um, if, you know, if a patient and we also have a, a memberships, which is still based on cost plus pricing, but they just pay a lower dispensing fee. So, um, you know, you have, if it's a not member, they, they pay a cost plus $10. And if it's a member, they pay cost plus $3. And that's our, our pricing scheme for a 90 or for a 30 day supply. So, and then the membership is a monthly fee, um, which paid annually or quarterly. Um, and so that is really what enables us to work at a, a more, um, service level for the patient, not just focus on dispensing, is the membership fee. So if you think about how uh, traditional pharmacy is structured, uh, you're not getting paid that per member per month. Uh, I know that we always talk about how that's the ideal and that's kind of why I structured it the way I, I have structured it so that I am getting a per member per month. Uh, and it, because, you know, we, we strive for adherence, um, and uh, all the different things, uh, being able to care for the patient, but we only get paid whenever the patient actually fills their medication in the traditional model, which is not really ideal because we're pr providing care all throughout. Um, and so um, realizing that, decided you know a membership, a subscription was really the way to go. And so that's how I built that in. And along those lines, anytime I provide care, there is a, a fee uh, with that as well. So, um, and that's not to say I don't answer some questions for free for sure. I, I mean, I think we all do that. Um, so, but I, I have gotten several patients paying for that service, uh, on top of just the traditional dispensing and, and on top of the membership fee. So, um, that's been exciting to get paid for, for providing that, that level of service to patients. Um, so I hope, I hope that kind of answers how to, my my goals for success. Yeah, and what what I what I love about your model, because um, because we talk a lot in, in in pharmacy about you know the the value based payment model, community pharmacy. We got to move to the value based payment model, and and you know even what we're doing in practice transformation efforts, it's you know propping up or equipping you know those pharmacies to transform their care delivery model 
to one in a way that really, um, you know, hits home firing all cylinders to participate in those value-based contracts. And, and we talk about the, you know, the, the gold standard, if you will, of that, Hey, just pay us what the cost of the drug is. I know a lot of examples and advocates point the NADAC is the, you know, the, the, the point for to consider the actual cost of the drug um, plus an appropriate dispensing fee. And, you know, there's some numbers out there and some surveys of cost of dispensing that's done, but anyone will tell you that's uh, well above the, the norm of what contracted with, um, you know, PBM and insurance company pharmacies get now. So I think most at this point would be happy with that, just knowing that they're not going to lose money on a high percentage of prescriptions that they fill. Um, plus that per member per month, you know, for all the extra service and the good care to, you know, drive whatever the clinical outcomes, the performance outcomes, whatever the payer is, is, is looking for as kind of this, you know, in a nutshell, value-based payment model that we're all striving towards in community pharmacy. And, and what you did is you bet on yourself to say, you know what, I can communicate my value directly to patients so that instead of going through trying to get these contracts, I'm going to bet on myself that I can provide this care and that patients are willing to pay directly out of pocket for it. Um, so it's, it's exciting to me because what you did was can, is thought up a direct to consumer model, if you will, for the value based contract system that we talk about in community pharmacy that we're advocating for, for payers. And, and many times, and you know, I say this all the time, you know, there's ultimately three payers in healthcare. There's taxpayers as the government, there's employers, and we forget about the last one, the actual patients, and you're, and you're not forgetting about them. And, and uh, so I, I'm, I'm excited for it because I think it's one, it's everything that is a model we've been striving for, um, you know, trying to get two out of those three payers to um, find the value and pay for the value of that service. And, and, and you're betting on yourself uh, to, to go direct to the consumer, direct to the patient to, to, to do it. Um, that's, that's my take on it. And I'm, I'm excited for you. Thank you. Yeah. 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 And that's a, a great summary. I've never really thought about it quite the point that way before. So that's, uh, you, you kind of made me excited. <laughs> Hearing it, I was like, that, that's kind of fun. It's like, um, like getting back to the day we we're in, uh, in, uh, with the, the PCLC down in Saul call, you know, making our pharmacy related, uh, cover songs up till 2 a.m. You know? <laughs> Those have made an appearance of late. Those, those songs have <laughs> good memories. Oh yeah, but yeah. So that that's it. that is, and I'll share another patient story that's really has stuck out in my mind, um, and really, you know, kept me fueled me for a good week. Uh, the high that I got from it. So uh, it was a patient who um, came to me first because of savings. So they came to me because their insurance copays were really high. They'd gotten on a marketplace plan, high deductible. And we're on um, insulin and some other medications. And so their copays were really high. And so, um, you know, not only I was able to help get their, their generic medications at a much more affordable rate through the, through the member, they, her and her husband joined his membership. So both of them were saving immediately. 
and then um the the the, the wife was on insulin and um it was going to be a hundred dollars a month and i said well let's see what we can do to bring that down so first we applied for the manufacturer assistance program realized uh, without i didn't really read it fully but didn't realize that uh with commercial she wasn't eligible commercial insurance she wasn't eligible so what i did was we got on a three-way call with her insurance company found the lowest tier copay uh that also had a manufacturer coupon available for insulin and so we were able to, in doing so, um, bring her uh, copay down from $100 a month to $5 a month. And um, that was kind of exciting because one, I, I didn't actually touch the prescription. I didn't have to have the insulin in my fridge. I didn't have to you know, uh, pay for it, have it sit there, and then maybe dispense it. I didn't have DIR fees on it. Um, so that was definitely exciting, um, I actually called her pharmacy, you know, gave the coupon information, worked through to make sure it actually would adjudicate and come out to be $5 as the coupon had promised. And, um, and so that was, that was exciting, but really what got to me was, um, her comment whenever she came in for the first time after she picked up her insulin at $5, she said, um, Kyle, I've never had a healthcare, somebody in healthcare care about me so much. Um, and, uh, that really, you know, got to me. Um, because, uh, I came into this really like focusing on, you know, just helping patients save money. Um, but I think we kind of forget that, you know, um, cost is a huge part of that. And, and in pharmacy, uh, as much as I'd like to think we're not a piece of that, uh, that we actually drive down costs and, and we kind of do, um, we, we can sometimes contribute to it in a way. So we have to always keep in mind, you know, how much our patients paying, and whenever we do a um, comprehensive medication review, kind of keeping track of not only is there are there maybe 20 plus medications, but each of those medications have a cost. And so um, is there different ways that we can bring down those costs for patients? And I think once patients start to realize that, you know, that was just a, a focus on cost, but she actually saw it as a um, caring about her. Uh, and, um, and so once they see that, you know, we care about them, uh, for cost related things, they actually start to listen to us. And so we started having conversations about how to better manage her blood sugars. Uh, and so uh, it kind of opens the door to a lot greater opportunity in providing the, the MTM and the um, different pharmacist centered care that we look for. So uh, that's just one patient story that really, you know, stuck with me. And uh, I think is kind of sums up my mission. Um, and vision for the pharmacy is um, costs being kind of the driver of a lot of things, but really that's not a sustainable model because, you know, ideally we actually bring down costs for everybody and they're all happy, but then there's no more costs to bring down. So, um, which I don't think we'll ever get to that until there's a change in, you know, insurance model. But um, it, it, the goal is that patients, you know, over time see that it's more than just about costs. It's about, pharmacists providing care to them. So um, that's kind of a ramble, but that was one thing that really made me happy. No, I think you, I, I think you explained that perfectly. And, and thank you for sharing that, that anecdote, but you know, the, the, the cost, you know, was the, the reason for the initial interaction. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like shaking their head to say, wait, wait, what? You, 
the, the prescription got filled at, a, at another pharmacy, not your pharmacy, but you got paid to bring value to this patient. And while initially it might have been driving down costs, which obviously you were able to do, um, you know, the patient at the end of the day saw value for you being their home base, you know, pharmacist, pharmacy provider, um, and is going to continue coming to you for anything medication and health related needs, um, and continue to pay for that because they, they find the value in it. And, and, and I think that's, that's, um, you know, exactly what pharmacy's trying to do. That's exactly what you're able to do in the, you know, um, direct the patient, you know, model outside of insurance and, and I think that's really where, you know, where we shine. And I think that's where we're, we're going. So uh, what, let's say this, if for, for any pharmacists out there, you know, we have a lot of pharmacists that are looking to you know, transform their, their practice and their care delivery model, um, you know, as not as just ways to better take care of patients, but ways to really sustain and, and thrive um, their, their business for the future. Um, what final advice do you have um, to share with some of those community pharmacists that are, you know, trying to think outside the box, you know, considering how, how do you open up other value added services and, you know, marketing that messaging that directly to patient cons consumers um, for them to pay out of pocket for their services? What, what final advice would you have to share for, those pharmacists that are looking to message that value, how do you do that? Uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know that I'm the best to come to for advice on how to succeed since it's not a proven model yet, but I think that one thing that's really um, shown the most value so far is patient stories. So um, whether it's not me, whether it's um, me sharing those patient stories, you know, through social media or um, just sharing with other people um, or the patients and themselves going out into talking um, so that the patient that I talked to probably talked to like 10 other people about my pharmacy, uh, if not more. So um, really, you know, the patient story. So I would say probably the most, um, the greatest thing I've learned so far is um, that word of mouth can really be the, the, the best form of advertising. It's probably one of the hardest and most time consuming not necessarily even the most, it's probably one of the cheapest, but uh, definitely from a time standpoint, uh, the, it takes a lot of time, but um, it's the most valuable. Uh, and so the sharing those patient stories, um, and we always learn about documentation, but you now if you're not keeping track of those patient stories, there's no way to really then share them later. So um, that's really important as well. Uh, and I think the other thing is really, just the openness that I'm able to have with patients has, has really allowed me to go go deeper into the conversation with patients. So, uh, you know, I explain how PBMs work on a daily basis. I explain how how I'm able to. I actually had a patient who I was able to save them. I think I forget what she was paying eighty ninety dollars a month for her one medication, and it was only. Um, $30 a month for, for me, not through her insurance. And uh, her friend, she was talking to her friend. She lives in a high rise. She's talking to her friends and um, 
and uh, I guess the, her, her friends are like, you need to check his credentials. It uh, doesn't sound like it could be a real pharmacy at that price. I just thought that was funny. She's like, she's like, well, I believe you, but <laughs> so I showed her my license and everything. And, uh, and she's like, okay, good. Um, but I think that having that openness with patients, which I know that a lot of contracts don't allow for, but I really think that that's one of the only ways we can have change is if we engage patients and get patient, um, you know, patients starting to complain as well. Um, and I, I think that's kind of why we're seeing some movement now is because, you know, patients are realizing that their insurance copays are higher than, than they could get medications for out of pocket or their insurance copays are driving them into, um, and into debt. Uh, healthcare debt's one of the highest causes of bankruptcy and debt, uh, personal debt in, in America. Uh, and so, um, as pharmacists, I mean, we have to keep that in mind and, and act accordingly. And I think that that having patients and engaging patients in how and the system and how it works and kind of opening their eyes to the system is really one of the only ways we'll, we'll drive change in, in pharmacy. No, no contracts means no gag clauses and complete transparency. And there's certainly value uh, in that in that too. And that puts you in a position um, where many other pharmacies can't be in to, you know, bring that transparency to the patients. Like you said, that's powerful stuff. Yeah. It's the most exciting thing too. <laughs> I, love, well, I, love, uh, I love, you know, talking dirt on uh, PVMs. It's my, one of my favorite pastimes. <laughs> well, you know, dirt and transparency, you know, that's <laughs> unfortunately it's, it's one and the same, but yeah. uh, in, in this case, so, well, well, Kyle, you know, I, uh, again, I, I couldn't be more excited for you. Um, you know, I, I know it's early, but I, I have no doubts that, um, you know, for you and your patients, this model will be successful. Um, and, and I really think that, um, you know, there's probably, going to be um, many more pharmacies with a model like yours that that open up um, in the in the future so i I appreciate you sharing your your story and your your experience and your passion because I think it's clear to everyone listening um, your your passion for you know wanting to uh, do better to provide care to patients at affordable costs um, beyond what's currently available in the healthcare system, uh, including, uh, with folks with insurance. So, um, so thanks for that. And, you know, I couldn't be more excited to see where, uh, where you take it from here. Thanks, Brandon. You know, I, uh, look forward to the day that, uh, we, we both own independence. Let's make that uh, achieving independence dream real. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Back to, what was that? 2012. Yep. Yeah, PPA, PPA, achieving independence yeah. winner. All the students listening to this podcast, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do it. Uh, well, thanks, Kyle, and for our listeners out there, um, you know, thanks for listening again to Beyond the Sig, your prescription for practice transformation. And I hope uh, this gives you a few ideas about, you know, how to think about doing things a little differently. Um, at your pharmacy to provide care to the patients, but again, expressing the value um, that you bring to the patients, to your communities, and to payers as well. 
So uh, thanks again and look forward to tuning in next time. Thanks for listening to Beyond the SIG, a prescription for transformative pharmacy care. Be sure to check back with the Pharmacy Podcast Network soon for the next episode. To learn more about transforming the role of the pharmacist, visit pharmacists.com forward slash podcast. That's pharmacists.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>